Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. All right, and welcome to season seven of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. So happy to have you with us. Today, we are talking with Maria Abbey. Maria is the effervescent mind behind Running Myself Together, a blog on faith, running, and mental health. After years of struggling with an eating disorder of anxiety and depression, which we talk about in the podcast, she now helps others who are facing the same trials find their passion for running and more importantly, know their worth in Christ. She's an RRCA certified run coach who, while never being a runner growing up, has come to see the immense value that running can have in a very holistic approach to mental health and just living a good and healthy life in general. She's so sweet and so fun. You're going to really enjoy it. She's great. She gives a lot of great tips. Even if running's not your thing, she really talks about other things in her own toolkit that have helped her in dealing with anxiety or depression as it pops up in her life. A lot that we can take away from this, especially if you maybe struggle with the same things, or I guarantee you, you know somebody who's struggling with them, so that'll help as well. Without further ado, though, here is Miss Maria. All right, and welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We are in season seven. So if you are a new listener to the podcast, just so you know, you have got plenty of seasons behind you to get caught up on. So go back and find one that looks fun or weird and listen to it. But today. Today's not going to be a weird guest. Today's going to be a pretty fun and massively inspiring guest. I say this about everybody, but I have to be honest with you. It's I'm, I'm totally right. All of my guests are amazing and inspiring. And Maria is no different. Maria Abbey. Maria Abbey, how are you? 
I am great. How are you doing, Leah? I'm so good. I'm so happy to talk to you because we know each other actually outside of just finding an inspirational person to talk to and then having you on my podcast. But we know each other from way back when we were actually on a pilgrimage together, correct? Yes, we were. Fatima. Fatima right. and Spain. That's right. So uh, so if, you, if, if, if my listeners don't know, I lead pilgrimages once in a while. I don't do it all the time. There are some people who do them constantly. That's awesome. Not me. I kind of just take them sporadically. And this was back in, Maria, let's see, our, our pilgrimage was in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. 2017. Yeah. And we went to Portugal and Spain and traveled all around. And this was during the time of the 100-year anniversary for Our Lady of Fatima. So myself and Father Michael O'Loughlin from the podcast Catholic Stuff You Should Know, he and I led this pilgrimage together. And Maria was one of our pilgrims. And we connected very quickly, very easily. I remember first seeing you off the plane. <laughs> and <laughs> When we got into Lisbon and it was just all of us were like dead to the world, but we made oh, yeah. it and we did it and we went straight into St. Anthony's Church in Lisbon. And yeah, that was a really, really great time. It was. That was amazing. Okay. So, so now you have, I remember during the trip, mm-hmm. you were always writing in your journal. <laughs> I was. I'm always writing. Yes. <laughs> Which is really, really great. I really appreciate that. I pay attention yeah. to people who do those things because they are interesting people to me. They're not just, I don't know, they're not just kind of letting life kind of just flow through them without any meditation. And granted, just, just in, even if you don't journal, I'm sure not that you don't think about things. But when you take the time to sit and reflect or write, however it is that one, you know, processes life. Writing is one way. It makes me pause and think, and I'm not even the one doing the journaling or doing the writing, but it makes me think when I see someone else stop and think that maybe I should stop and think. And you had a lot going on during that pilgrimage, right? Yeah, I did. It was, um, it was a really transformational time for me. It really was. Okay. Can you share why? Like, why was it transformational? Why was it? Yes. (laughs) I can get into all that. So I had for a long, long time, struggled with an eating disorder and anxiety and depression. And I found myself in this repetitious cycle of, I guess, anxiety and then depression and finding myself in relationships that weren't right for me. And, you know, just the ups and downs of life, but completely exaggerated. And I was just tired. And I distinctly remember before signing up for the pilgrimage, I had just ended a relationship that wasn't working for me. I was coming out of a state of depression because I had gotten injured and I couldn't run, which is um, one of my major outlets. And I woke up one day and I said, I can't do this anymore. All caps, exclamation points. I, it was this light that went off of my head that said, no longer can Maria live this way. And I'm, you know, laying in bed, scrolling through Instagram and I saw I say, by the grace of God, your Instagram come up promoting this pilgrimage. And I said, I screenshotted it, sent it to my mom and said, I need to go on this trip. (laughs) This is, I need to turn my life around. I need to start with this. This will be what I work towards. And so this trip was, well, first of all, it was the first time out. It was the first time across seas for me too. So that was a huge thing and on my own. So it was the mark of me completely turning a new chapter in my life. So 
I was going into it fully open and aware of God's grace and God's goodness and with the desire to actually, you know, turn towards good, work on my anxiety, depression. And so it was extremely important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that's something beautiful. I love about pilgrimages is that it's, you have this amazing motley crew of people (laughs) coming together (laughs) For a million different reasons, right? But everyone's seeking. They're all seeking something, and and they're seeking a new beginning. They're seeking mm-hmm. more faith, a deepening of faith. Maybe they're just seeking time, like time away from their life. Maybe they're seeking solidarity with other Christians, other Catholics, or you know whatever it might be. We're all seeking something, and that is really the mindset of a true. Pilgrim. A pilgrim is somebody who is seeking something more. They are on a journey and that they realize that where they're at right now is not home. And so they they keep moving. And, and, and I remember specifically one thing about the pilgrimage for me, and it's really beautiful how, you know, we put these pilgrimages together, myself and Father Michael and the group that I work with, Select International Tours. And mm-hmm. We put these 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 itineraries together and trying to help create beautiful moments for other people and an opportunity for others to experience the faith outside of the pews and experience solidarity and community and just time away from our busy lives and busy world. And but and so but we walk away still, even though we're the ones planning it, we walk away as as well transformed. And I remember one of the memories I have of that pilgrimage involves you. I've never told you this. <laughs> But when I think back on that pilgrimage, I have a few memories. And one of them is when we were in Santiago. Okay. And we had just finished the walking the Camino. We had walked about 13 or so miles of the last portion of the Camino de Santiago. And so it was amazing. For for those Mm -hmm. of you who have walked it, you know what I'm talking about. And those who haven't, oh man, put it on your bucket list. It's just, it's just fantastic. So we walk the last part and then we get into the cathedral. We get into the side of the church and we're getting ready for mass. And we're, I mean, it, it, you know, it was, it was late. We were yeah. exhausted. Mm-hmm. We were tired and it was, it really was church for all of us became respite. It was mm-hmm. just like the place where the look on all of our faces is like, we just need to sit and receive Jesus. There's nothing else we could do. We could barely participate truly because we were so tired. And it was this amazing moment of just being receptive and being very Marian in that moment, just mm-hmm. taking in that moment of surrendering and surrendering ourselves. And we finished mass. And I remember they had, of course, as people know, they have that massive. I wish I would have known that. Wish I'd know the name of this right now. But, um, oh, I know. Uh, and you, and you and, and you you think I would because you know people. This isn't live. <laughs> I could have prepped and figured out the name of it. But what I'm trying to say is this big, huge thing that has all of the incense in it that sways oh, like around the altar. Anyway, somebody right now is listening, and you know it. And congratulations. Oh, yeah. Good for you. I don't right now. My mind has, my mind just has jumped out of my brain. So anyways, that was swinging back and forth and we were all still praying and you were taking it in and we're just having an amazing moment with Christ praying Mm -hmm. in that moment. And I remember 
looking at you and seeing you clearly being affected by the prayer and by the experience. And it was so powerful for me to see you just surrender in my mind. That's what it looked like to something bigger than yourself. I mean, do you remember what I'm talking about? (laughs) Oh yeah. I, I try to, I try to remember that moment at least once a week to keep me going. It was so, so to your point about us just being completely wiped out and completely exhausted. I mean, I honestly think some of us are falling asleep in the pew, plus the masses in Spanish. So I had no idea what was being said <laughs> along with that. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, you know what? Today's been an emotional day. We just walked El Camino. I let a lot of things go there. Um, I was like, you know, and every day, that's the thing with the pilgrimage. Every day was so like uh, spiritually uplifting and spiritually... Like, it's so hard to explain, but um, I was like, it's okay if I don't feel anything during this mass. My body just needs to rest. And then it was almost like the Holy Spirit laughing, saying, oh, you're going to feel something. Because all of a sudden, I was overcome with this emotion of, it's going it's to bring me to tears again, but of, I can let my past go. And so that's what walking the El Camino really was about. You know, I think there's that tradition where you leave the stone that you carry outside of the cathedral and you you lay it down before you walk in. And that signifies you leaving your past behind. And so that emotion hit me at mass, at the end of mass, and I lost it. I could not stop crying because it was like a million bricks were lifted off my shoulders. Like, yes, I can finally let my past go. I can actually start anew again. It was what I needed at that time. And that piece that I received then has stuck with me to this day. It was amazing. Amen. And yeah, it it is. I think that moment that any one of us have, God willing, when we can surrender our past to God's mercy. Right. Just, right. Yes. just give it to him and say, okay, I'm done mm-hmm. holding on to it. I'm done feeling bad about it. I'm done trying to live mm-hmm. in the past. I, you know, whatever it is. And really right. surrendering it to Christ's mercy. And that is the call for every single Christian. It is, oh, yeah. it's the beginning steps. It's the beginning steps. Like if you, if you can't, if we can't, if I can't really surrender our past to Christ's mercy, if we cannot fully accept that he died for us, he is forgiven our sins, then how can we really move forward? How can we really make progress in the spiritual life, in our life, if we're constantly thinking, well, I can't do this anymore because of what happened to me before. You know, I mean, whatever it might be. And so let's kind of talk about that. Let's actually, I know this sounds weird, but let's talk (laughs) about kind of what you were letting go of. You are, uh, you have a website running myself together. You have really kind of become a little bit of a expert in talking about how we handle our own mental health, our spiritual health, and how running has helped you Mm -hmm. establish more balance in dealing with some of the challenges within your mental health. And so I know I can imagine that was probably a piece of that, that you were letting go. Can you kind of like let people know a little bit about that and what you're doing now in terms of kind of the running myself together website and what you offer to people? Yeah, absolutely. So for a long time from, I think, all of my high school years and then into my college years, I struggled with an eating disorder, both anorexia and bulimia. And 
that also, when I, when I started going through recovery for those, I could tell and I experienced the creeping in of what anxiety and depression feels like. So it's almost like the eating disorder left, anxiety and depression came in. And that, um, that really took over my mind. And, and while I was still able to go to college and, you know, get good grades and get a job after college, after I graduated, it was still something that I lived with and continued to still live with to some extent on a daily basis. But what I found was while when anxiety really started to creep in, I was just so downtrodden by it. It was dictating my every action and it was consuming me in a way that was terribly unhealthy. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out and I couldn't find the right therapist or find the right method of therapy to help me work through it. Mm-hmm. And then one day, and I wasn't very active. I was a theater kid. I went to college for theater. <laughs> Being active wasn't really my thing. I decided to go for a run. And I remember I had been, I had been dabbling in running, I guess you could say, with some, some friends of mine from college. And I decided to go on a run. I had a few weeks prior to that been hospitalized with a panic attack. So that's how bad it was. But I decided to go on a run. And I was running down this long road. And I had gotten to the point where no matter which way I turned, I was still going to have to go the same distance either way to get back home. So I was kind of stuck right there in the middle. And I remember telling myself, don't look back. You're not going that way. You can only go forward. And I pushed myself through. I don't, I think it was between three to five miles and came back. And for the first time I experienced, my body was finally moving at the same pace that my thoughts were. So for a long time, my mind was constantly racing. But when I was running, my body was at that same level that my mind was at. And I was able to then start working through those thoughts and quiet my quiet my brain down a little bit. And from that moment, I have begun to use running as a tool to help with my anxiety. And when it, whenever I go through a bout of depression, that doesn't happen too often. But when I do, running is always that consistent thing that helps me parse through whatever those thoughts are. So I decided this is amazing. (laughs) I think most runners feel that way. This is amazing. I need to tell everybody. And so I started a blog and I just started writing about it. I shared my past with my eating disorder. I talked through how I was using running to help me, help me through the anxiety and the depression. And I did it primarily because it was holding me accountable to keep running. And I thought back to that ninth grader, that 15 year old who was struggling with anorexia and thought, I wish I had some sort of place that I could have gone to at that time to hear people who have struggled with with what I'm currently struggling with and how they work through it. So a lot of moving pieces and thoughts and ideas and inspirations that all came together into one and to what is now, I guess, running myself together. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, so many levels of that that I want to discuss. The first one I just want to go back to, and and granted, this really needs to be its own podcast. I fully agree with that. But for just my our curiosity right now and trying to understand a whole picture here, around 15 is when you began struggling with anorexia and bulimia. Is that correct? Yeah. But I think it goes back further than that. I think yeah. so, as a little girl, I always had well, I guess what you would call body image issues, even though you're not at that age fully 
cognizant of what that is. And so, but when I got to be in ninth grade and of that age of reason, I could start controlling those things. I could start controlling what I was eating. And I think it also, I've had a therapist tell me before that it is anxiety fuels those things. Anxiety fuels those, you know, eating disorder behaviors. So it's a whole combination of of factors, but it really started coming to the forefront in those early high school years. What are the, what are some of the things that negatively affected your body image when, before 15? What are some mm-hmm. of those things that for you, I'm not saying for everybody else, but for you that kind of triggered something for you to look differently at yourself instead of like what the mirror said or what, what God says? Right, right. I think it would have a lot to do with the young girls that I was surrounding myself with at that time. And again, that's hard to to talk through because I was so young at that time. You know, how do you make those, how do you see what the better state of friendships could be? I think I was entrenched in this world, in the world of wanting to be popular and wanting boys to like me and wanting to wear cute clothes, but still growing up in a very Catholic household that had a lot of rules and regulations and, you know, (laughs) a lot of love, a lot of love, but still it was a a time of wanting to fit in with the cool crowd, but not being able to do so because it went against what I was taught at home. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think, I mean, I also suffered from a body image disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, It did not manifest into anorexia or bulimia for me, but it was, it was just all in my head. I mean, it was just this filter, like we filter pictures on Instagram, but it was a constant filter that never left. And whatever I looked at myself or saw myself was not reality. It was just, it was just demonic. I mean, what I was looking at myself was just so terrible and ugly and disgusting that Mm -hmm. it just, it kind of fueled self hate for me. Um, I can see some things that were seemingly neutral, you'd think, but for me, they affected me. You know, I, Mm -hmm. for me, it was, I mean, for me, it was like playing with Barbies as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I was really into them. I love fashion. I loved all the fun stuff. So Barbie had all these amazing dresses and I loved all the accessories, but then you take all of her clothes off and you put on another outfit and then you look at her body and I'm like, oh, okay. Right. Right. That's that's a way to look like a woman. And she was like the only like girl doll I had really. I had baby dolls and then I had Barbie. So the options we're giving kids is here's a sweet baby to love. And then here's this grown woman with features that you'll never physically be able to match because it's impossible. That and is so true. These are the two things that, that, that we have. It's like, you know, you, you go from the baby doll to Barbie and then you wonder why sometimes young girls you know, possibly gravitate towards something more, I don't know, just unhealthy yeah. for them, a bad self-image or body image. Not everybody who plays with Barbies has those issues, but for me, it was. For me, that was right. one of my small triggers that kind of began to affect how I saw myself. I just find it very interesting for each person who suffers in this realm of kind of like what it was for them, because it's not the same for everybody, you know, but I think it's really powerful that when you mentioned anorexia and bulimia and how those began when you were 15 
to keep in mind that, like you said, it's not like it just started. It's not like you just mm-hmm. woke up and you're like, I think I'm not going to eat all day. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think I'm going to exercise to the point of passing out every mm-hmm. day. No, like these things build over time and the devil is in the details of all of that. Yeah and uses anything he can to make us less than who we really are as beloved daughters of God. And so I, yeah, I just think it's important that we kind of, that I think it's great that you mentioned it, that we talk about it right here. And like I said, mm-hmm. I know some of these things are definitely should be and deserve to be their own topic and podcast at, <laughs> at oh, least. Yeah. But for what we're doing now, I think it's good. And And so you've been able to work through these things by kind of like running into running Mm -hmm. in a sense, like you've kind of found yourself into this one run and it became such a positive experience that you decided to continue on. And this is some of the stuff that you do today. I I loved when we were, I remember on our our flight back home from our pilgrimage in Spain, we were talking about this and we were talking Mm -hmm. about what you were doing here with this website on your website, runningmyselftogether.com. You can go ahead and we'll, we'll make sure we keep that link in the podcast notes. So don't worry. It'll be there for you if you want to check it out. And you should. One of the blogs that I really enjoyed is that you provide a toolkit, a toolkit of things that you use to help you and could hop, you know, possibly help others as well. And these are five ways that you ease your own anxiety. These are great, Maria. Thank you. <laughs> very, very good. Now, okay, can we go over? I'd like to go over some some of these. So like the first one that we've already kind of talked about is run. And you right. go over and you describe a little bit more about that. You give tips on that. This is a great toolkit too. If you enjoy running or if you happen to be prone to anxiety or depression or any of those issues, this might be a great place to start because according to, I did some research actually, I did prepare for this podcast, <laughs> um, but according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders affect about 40 million adults. 40 million. I was like, I was a little shocked to be honest with you. When I saw that number, I was like, geez. So we have Mm -hmm. got about 40 million adults who suffer from some form of an anxiety disorder. And studies do show that getting out and exercising, even if it's a 10 minute walk can be almost just as good as a 45 minute workout. When you talk about what the endorphins are doing for your brain and kind of helping you relax and let go of some of that mental tension. Mm-hmm. So do you find that, do you find that that's what running does for you? Does it actually help you with that? Like meant like that anxiety yeah. or that mental tension that you can sometimes have? Yes, 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 exactly. Because when you're running and then when you're done with the run as well, you are filled with these endorphins and it's like this happiness that fills you. I know some people, I run with a lot of people and some people just say, this is terrible. I don't know what you're talking about. But if you run enough, you will get there. And it's like this happiness that these endorphins, they fill you and they help you when you're done. And this is from what I found when I'm done running. Oh, that big, huge project at work or, oh, this problem that I'm having with a friend. It's not so big anymore. And now on top of that, my mind is clear so I can think through this a little bit better. And so that's really where the benefit comes in for me. Yeah. And I think it's really good to mention that obviously... That runner's high that you get, which is a real thing, the endorphins mm-hmm. that happen, all of that. Obviously, it's going to come down and balance after a while. So you can't stay at that level forever, right. which is why in your toolkit, you have the other four points. The second one that you give is prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. 
The third one is routine because we all need that balance. I love that you give some tips about even when you go to bed and like putting away your phone and your laptop away from you so that you can just be screen less for for a bit of your life. That is Mm -hmm. so great. But the last two points are kind of what I really would really like to talk about. They're crazy important. But in this awesome toolkit that you give people on your website, runningmyselftogether.com, number four is positive Mm self-talk. That's crazy big. Yes, it is. And it's, I think, unfortunately, it's become very buzzwordy now, too. So I do want to highlight it in a, in a different way. So, and you actually mentioned this in your book, The Other Side of Beauty, which I think is awesome that you called attention to this. One of the forms of therapy that really helped me work through my eating disorder was cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. It's known to help a lot of people through their eating disorder recovery. And Again, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, so this is me speaking about this in my own terms here. But what it does is it helps you retrain your thought process. So I spent a lot of time with a therapist who would constantly tell me to reframe, 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 and become aware of those trigger thoughts that come into your head. Because if you don't, if you're not self-aware, if you don't know, know thyself, those thoughts take over. And then it becomes one negative thought that builds off of another negative thought that builds off of another negative thought. So if I'm, for instance, in the middle of a run, feeling tired and run down and people are passing me, say I'm in a race or what have you, and I start telling myself, I'm terrible at this. Why am I doing this? Why why didn't I train enough for this? Then those thoughts start to build off of each other. And so that's where running comes into play and helping you reframe those thoughts is you have an opportunity now to become aware of what you're thinking. That's what I tend to do. I I hone into my thoughts and I can then better pinpoint those negative thoughts and reframe them. So it takes a lot of practice. It's not just, hey, you can do this or you got this. It takes practice. It takes work. And therapists who practice cognitive behavioral therapy can help you along that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's very effective. It's very wonderful. I have been a client or patient, whatever you want to say of that myself. And it really helped me when I came out of my, I guess, post-conversion phase of like having to kind of rewire my brain. Like, okay, hold on a second. What What have I allowed to affect me for the past 10 years of my life? And I knew I couldn't do it alone. I needed to seek some help. And I had some spiritual help with Jesus and some great spiritual directors. And I also needed some great help from some amazing psychologists who did practice cognitive behavioral therapy, who helped me kind of reframe my thinking about me. Right. That is, was a big deal. And I'm very happy to have done that. Really promote that as well. If that seems to fit what you might need, go seek it out. Because the idea is that, and I think what you're mentioning with running, what running or another opportunity that comes in your life can do that, that is challenging, which gosh, I don't know about you, but I have them all the time, (laughs) but it gives you opportunities to practice that, what we call positive self-talk. It tells you during those things like, look, no, I can do this. Keep going and don't quit. Mm-hmm. And I know that I am not, when you talk about actually running, I've never been somebody who loves long runs. I can do something short, but even during those short runs, it would still get hard for you. So wherever you are at, maybe if you use exercise to help you with anxiety or depression, or just for positive mental health in general, mm-hmm. you always hit a point where you're, where it's not 
fun anymore. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's not oh, like, yeah. you're like, no, this isn't super exciting. And <laughs> those are awesome opportunities to reframe, to tell yourself you can do that so that when those moments are over and you go throughout the rest of your day and then something else comes up and it's difficult, you've already practiced those words that you're going to say to yourself, the positive self-talk that tells you, yes, you can do it. Yes, you can. Like stop the memories from the past, stop the thoughts from Mm -hmm. the evil one who wants to tell you that you're not good enough, that it's never Mm going to work, that no one loves you or likes you, all that crap that you hear you can stop that. I think that's really beautiful that you do it because it does affect you. I talk about this. You're right. Thank you for mentioning it. But I do talk about it in my book, The Other Side of Beauty, about the voice that we say to ourselves. And I had a podcast a few weeks ago and you can find it in there. And we talked about the inner critic and Mm -hmm. my guests and I were talking about that. And it was fantastic. Another great podcast to listen to if you're interested in that specific topic. But it is important because your brain actually responds to your own self-talk, your own self-talk. If it's negative self-talk, you actually can affect yourself negatively when you allow negative self-talk to happen. It actually, it shuts down that frontal lobes up in the front where you make the great executive functioning, all those big decisions or just the normal decisions that require common sense. And negative self-talk shuts that down and it kind of, inflames or increases the area in the back of your brain, the amygdala, where it's your anger and your anxiety receptors are at. And so it increases that. So even the negative self-talk that we take in from other people, but also what we say to ourselves affects us. And so your number four here on your toolkit that you give people on your website of positive self-talk, I just, I, I really do think that's incredibly important as we move through. And like you said, it's not like this whole like cheerleader, like you can do it, but it's, these are real issues. These are real, maybe memories from your past experiences from your past or current doubts that we have that we need to shut down and ask Christ for his help in there. Call upon your guardian angel, pray through it and make sure you keep practicing positive self-talk and end the negative. So, okay, Maria, let's go on to the last one, which is one that I am not that familiar with, and I'm really, really excited for you to kind of talk about it. But the number five toolkit that you give of ways that you handle your anxiety is sit in it. Yeah. Okay. Why? And and <laughs> why is this a good, good, good thing? I'm not saying it's not, but can you explain to me why we should sit in it? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things there. One, everyone... So, and not to say, not to have a creative generalization here, but um, for the most part, everybody feels some form of anxiety around something at some point in their lives. And that's okay. And it's okay for us to feel highs and lows. That's normal. We have emotions. That's what makes us human beings. That's what makes us wonderful, created in the image of God. It's a beautiful thing. Some people are more wired to have anxiety and to have depression. And then that's something that they work through with their therapists or with with whatever methods they need to work through it with. But there are moments where we are just feeling anxious and it's important to start recognizing what makes us feel anxious and, you know, where are we actually creating anxiety? And so I think it's important to take time to sit and to figure out what it is. And then sometimes we don't want to add fuel to the fire. Sometimes when we start freaking, for lack of better terms, freaking out about our anxiety, 
we perpetuate, we create more anxiety. And so that is something that a therapist that I've worked with for many, many years has shared with me. You don't always have to react to the anxiety. Ground yourself in reality. What is actually happening around me? Is this something that I need to take action on? Or is this something that I need to let go? And I remember one time years ago, I was doing this or I was creating this anxiety and worrying about something all day long. I can't remember exactly what it was, but worrying about it, worrying about it, worrying about it. I love to lean on my father. He's, he's a very strong, solid man. And so I had called him multiple times about this in one day. And he goes, Maria, let it be. And I said, okay, I will let it be. And then I had to take, I had to actively sit there realize that there was nothing that I could do about this situation and let the anxiety dissipate as best as I could. So that's the thing that's tough about mental health. It's not a a black and white answer. It's a very gray area and it takes a lot of being self-aware of what's going on around you and, and what thoughts are you telling yourself? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love how honest you are though about it and the really good advice. I wasn't expecting that one to be in your list. I'm really happy it is because I think at some point, yeah, like the advice your dad gave you, like, let it be just, Mm -hmm. just, you know, put on your big girl panties and deal with it, (laughs) right? Like exactly, it won't last forever. This will end and you will be okay. Right. Exactly. To be honest with you, that, that was the mantra that I had within myself that I said to myself during labor with my fourth <gasps> child, I just said, this will be over with soon. You will be okay. Yeah. I said that over and over and over during that labor, which was not easy. I mean, labor is never easy. I mean, every <laughs> mother would tell you that there are some that are maybe that are, you know, maybe less uh, stressful or painful or, you know, filling the word that you want. But For me, it was a very long labor. It was very difficult towards the end, but it's very, very, very long. So I had to have that mantra and it does help you when you can just almost sit in it. Like, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going, this is, and I'm also not going to let it happen to me. I'm going to kind of, in a sense, take the reins. I'm Mm -hmm. going to accept it and surrender and tell myself that this will be over with soon and you will be fine. Yes. This will be over with soon and you will be okay. And th- that that is that is actually what got me through my labor of my fourth child was going through that and saying that over and over for like 36 hours straight of just like, <gasps> here we go. And it oh did hush. It did allow me to relax. It allowed me to feel like I was not totally out of control. And I think, you know, anxiety for me really seems to just show up on my doorstep as soon as I get pregnant. And then all the way, especially it like shows up with like bags and it's going to stay forever during labor. It's like, Hey, we're just going to be here. We're going to hang out all day long. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I have to, I love that those, I love those tips that you give in dealing with anxiety. I know that that last one definitely is really great. And I have used it in my own life for it to fit in my own state of life too. I hope that helps other people as well. Like I said, you can grab all of that of what Maria's mentioned on her website. There's something else that we don't have time to go over, but I think it's really important to point out. And Maria, you have, and this is great because this is definitely up my alley because I'm not a runner anymore. After four kids, my hips are just not in the same location that they used to be. And so, <laughs> yeah, so that's out. 
So running is just not something that I, I can, I, I really can do, but I love, I still love to exercise and I want to, and you have a great blog post and it says ways to work through anxiety other than running. And regardless if anxiety is an issue for you or not, or maybe you're like, I don't have anxiety. Maybe you have some stigma about it. Well, I'm sorry for you, but that's, you're going to have anxiety at some point in your life because life is crazy. But you give nine amazing points in here. Like I said, don't have time to go over these right now, but I really want to encourage everybody to look at this blog post. It's really great. I'm looking through them right now on on your site. It's fantastic. It's short and it's quick. It's not going to take forever. Don't worry. But I really think it's important for you, for, for people to take a look at this. This is great. And I'm going to include this blog post in particular in the podcast notes so that we have that available for people. And so Maria, there's a couple of things I want to make sure people can do before we wrap up. Cause I've got some last, last minute questions for you still before we end our podcast. But for one, people can connect with you obviously on your website, runningmyselftogether.com. They also can connect with you on Instagram, which is where you're very active as well. I know because I follow you and yeah. it's at running myself together. Mm-hmm. And then also on Facebook. Now, Facebook, I think it's interesting because you have your page, Running Myself Together, right there. You can find it on Facebook. But when you go to Maria's Facebook page of Running Myself Together, if you are a lady, this one's for you. There is a little blue button and it says Visit Group. And if you click on that, it is a private Facebook group Maria has started just for women. Is that correct, Maria? Yeah, that's correct. So we just started that recently. It's still building up traction, but the goal there is to keep it private and to really encourage one another to pray for each other, to support each other in our journeys as a woman, to talk about mental health and just encourage each other as we, I guess, work out. You don't have to be a runner to join, but um, it's really all about encouragement. Absolutely. So I just joined that group and I will be posting my wins when I, I have like a little bike that I have in my house that, that I use. Oh, oh great. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. But I'm really excited about that. I'm really happy that you have it available for women, especially if this is up your alley. Definitely take a look at what Maria's got going on. There's a lot of wonderful things on our website with the community that you can join in on and, and to be a part of and get all of her updates. Okay, Maria, I have some last minute questions for you. Are you ready for them? Yes. Okay. These are questions I love to ask my guests if I have time. And so I have time, so I'm going to do it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. And they're all over the board. So, 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 <laughs> so just don't even think that you can prepare for this because we're going to go okay. back and forth between ridiculous things and then deep things. And we're just going to keep on going. All right. Okay. Here we go. If you could be any character in Lord of the Rings series, who would you be and why? Oh goodness! Okay, Did you so watch Lord of the Rings. This what was that? Have you seen? Lord yes, Rings? yes. And I'm going to choose this one simply because I have a backstory. But Gollum, and what? not because I know, I know, not because it has anything to do with the storyline, but. When I was in high school, we did a production of The Hobbit, and I played Gollum. And I started crying when I saw the the cast list because I thought that there was some miscommunication here. But it ended up being the most challenging role I have ever done, as you can imagine. So that is why I choose that one, not because of the storyline. Oh, my gosh. You were, <laughs> I, okay, she's Gollum, people. She just chose Gollum. So that's, that's something. Maria, I don't... <laughs> I don't know how to comment now, but, um, 
but I appreciate as in all the things that you post your honesty. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have divulged that one. (laughs) No, you definitely should have. That's fantastic. In fact, I think the first line of my podcast description is she thinks she's Gollum from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It'll be a good, it'll be a good catch. Okay. Next question. What are you most passionate about right now? Evangelization. Amen. There, yeah, there's something that, and I, I attribute all things to this pilgrimage, but there's something that sparked in my life recently where I am just on fire about learning everything I can about the Catholic faith and sharing that with as many people who will let me. <laughs> Amen. Praise be to God. Me, me too, girl. Okay. Uh-huh. Next question. What do you see as your mission to do something beautiful in the world? Helping women see their worth in Christ through running. Awesome. I love it. I love that it's so general, but very specific. And that is what I think we need more women to claim. Like you have unique and unrepeatable gifts from God, the father, and he is asking you to use those gifts to help the people that will probably be similar to you and possibly your journey or your struggles. We don't have to like be everything to everybody and try to be like, and try to help every single issue and solve every single problem in the world. And I love that you are specific with the gifts and talents that God's given you, Maria. That's so, so great. Okay. Next question. What is your morning routine? I, um, am, oh, I write about it all the time. Routines are so important. I typically wake up around 4.45 to 5 a.m. to work out. So then I'll work out. I'll come home, take a shower, make a smoothie and make coffee, do some social media work. And while at the same time getting ready for my my day job work. So that's what I do in the morning. Oh, and of course, prayer. Lots of prayer. What do you do prayer in the morning? I typically start out with the mass readings for the day. And then I love the blessed she daily devotions that they send straight to your email. They make it so easy. So I'll read that through the day and then I'll do my own, you know, free form prayer, go through my list of my intention list for the week, and then thank God for all the things that I'm grateful for. Amen. All right. What is your evening routine? That is an area that I need to get stronger at, but typically I make dinner and I... Gosh, I'll watch TV or mostly I'll read, a, I'll read a book. I'll find books that I'm reading. And then I spend a lot of my evenings writing for the blog, doing social media work, just using all these talents that I feel very blessed to have. So it's not, it's not a science the evening routine. That's for sure. Okay. Hey, that, that's great. All right. Let me ask you this one. All right. Are you aware of any concrete steps or decisions that you took that have absolutely made a difference in where you are now? I think that the, the two things. One, I made the active choice to, I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York. I made the active choice to move down to North Carolina to go to college. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. Now, it happened after praying a novena. So that novena helped me make that decision, I believe, wholeheartedly. Mary, oh, she's wonderful, helped me make that decision. So I've always had a strong connection with Mary. And I, since that moment, have then been praying novenas pretty consistently for the things that are near and dear to my heart and have used that 
that learning from that experience to then direct the choices that I make in the, the rest of my life. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Very good. All right. Okay. And now we're going to switch it up. It's not going to be so heavy here. What fashion trend can you not stand? Oh gosh. This is a good one. Fashion trend. I don't know. Let me think. What's something that you would never wear? Oh yes, I know. So there is, and I don't know if this is a Southern thing because I'm in North Carolina now, or if this is across the board, there seems to be this fashion trend amongst girls and women where we wear long shirts and really short shorts and the shirts cover the shorts and it looks like you're not wearing any pants. I don't understand it. I think it's immodest to be quite frank. And I don't know how or why this became a thing. <laughs> That's something I'll never wear and don't condone that behavior. <laughs> it kind of, it's like an outfit for a toddler and then they yes. made one for an adult. Like, yes. you know, like what? Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. I totally get you. All right. Now what's your favorite fashion trend right now? I love the, the I guess you would call them kimonos, right? That go yeah. that you can put over anything. They're floral. They're fun. You can dress them up with wedges and jeans. You can I wear them to work all the time, but I then I can wear them to dinner if I want or when I'm just hanging you out. Can belt um, them. I, tons yes. Of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love those. Yeah, they're really great. They're very good and they're very flattering. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now let's see. What hold? Now that now we're going to go a little bit deep now. What holds women back more so today than ever before? What holds women back? Um, In your opinion. Yep. The belief that we need to do what everyone else is doing and be what everyone else is doing. So self-comparison, especially in our very social media heavy world. Yeah. Now, how would you suggest that we fight it or push back? Take a lot of time to understand and to know who God created you to be as an individual. What are your talents? What are your strengths? And for me, what I had to do, I had to do a social media cleanse (laughs) in two ways. One, spend less time on social media and two, unfollow accounts that weren't serving who God wanted me to be and who were help that were causing me to fall into that self-comparison trap. Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. We're almost done here. Who is the most inspirational woman in your life that is alive right now? You. Jeez, oh, <laughs> Maria. That's thank you. I'm going to say thank you because I would tell somebody else if they got a compliment to say God. Well, praise be God. Praise be God. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, I, now I'm really awkward and and blushing over the. Microphone. I can I can do a subset answer to that if you'd like. Yeah. 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 I would have to say probably absolutely my mother. It is, I have, there's so many strong women in my family, but um, I've seen my mom's relationship, uh, her relationship with me have its ups and downs. And now at this place, it's just beautiful. And I've seen now that I'm a woman and she always told me I've come to this day. So mom, if you're listening, here you are. I see who, what it's, what the things that she had to go through to build her, to be the woman, the faithful Catholic woman that she is today. And I aspire to be like that. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God for good mamas all over the world. Shout out to you. 
Shout out to all of you mamas out there who are who are in the trenches. You're doing it hard. You've got all of the hard work. You have all those little babies around you, or maybe your babies are grown, but you're just keeping up that prayer life. You're praying for them. You're praying for yourself to get mm-hmm. through it. God love you. We need you mothers out there to, to stay strong. So oh, my prayers are for you, especially today. That's a great, great reminder and a great acknowledgement to Maria of your own mother. They are so important to us. Um, yeah. All right. So who is the most inspirational woman in your life that is, that is deceased? So any of the, any, any amazingly dead women, who's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Two. Well, St. Joan of Arc. Absolutely. Hands down. I think that she, I was just reading her biography recently and I just think that her fearlessness. And I think, I think she was quoted saying, now I'm scared to quote any, any saint after the Trent Horn episode. And (laughs) (laughs) so if he's listening, I uh, don't get upset with me if this isn't a real quote, but I'm pretty sure she said, I am not scared. I was born to do this. And I remind myself of that every single day, no matter what it is, no matter where I am. So St. Joan of Arc hands down. Amen. All right. Okay. So very last thing we're going to ask you to do for here in our amazing Do Something Beautiful listeners is could you offer us a challenge, something that we could kind of take what you've said today in this podcast and actually put it to some good use? What type of challenge can you leave us with today? Yeah, absolutely. So I know we talked about a lot of uh, heavy things there with eating disorders, anxiety, and depression. And it does take a lot of work to work through those things. So my challenge this week for everybody is to find the joy in that work. I had um, a director in theater growing up and she would always tell us, find the joy in the work. And she would especially say it when we were feeling defeated or frustrated with ourselves. And it's so true that there, there is joy everywhere. God, God created us and created our lives. There is joy there. So find that joy in that work and let that be what pushes you through. Amen. Amen. Maria, I am so thankful for your time on this podcast and sharing your heart and all of your gifts and talents, not just with us, but for the kingdom and to make the world better. And frankly, to do something beautiful in the world, because you're definitely doing that. You are a testament of, of what it means to find joy in the work, to find joy in your life. Don't stop. Don't stop, Maria. We need you. We all need you to continue on that. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Hey, amen. Anything we can do to help. All right. Well, thank you for listening, my amazing listeners. And there is probably somebody in your life that is doing something amazing and beautiful for God. Reach out to them today and thank them. Thank them for doing something beautiful for God. Even if they don't even realize it, thank that mama who is loving her baby and you see her struggle or whatever it might be. Thank the coworker that is always kind and always gives you that pen because you can never find yours. Whatever it is, Find someone in your life that is doing something beautiful for God and let them know. And remember, whatever you do today, you make sure that you do something beautiful for God. God love you. God bless. And we'll talk to you next time. 